Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. You've got exactly ten minutes to decide if you really want to know. You have built this city. Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've got to Okay, welcome back to True Stories Based on Fiction, the podcast network. This is your host, Evan, the third host, and I am back again with uh, more content for you guys. So it's March, and things are still a little bit different for us in the podcast network here. Uh, People's changing jobs, changing life responsibilities, and things like that, Um, which is making it a little difficult for us to podcast on a regular basis for you. Uh, I will say for people who want to hear more voices besides my own, you can always check out the True Stories Based on Fiction YouTube channel uh, by searching True Stories Based on Fiction on YouTube uh, to get more content that isn't just me. For the time being, uh, it might be just me for a little while because honestly, I have a very busy schedule, unfortunately. I'm not home enough to even schedule recordings. And, um... Everybody else is very busy as well. I'm trying to potentially get some other things in the works. I promise you guys this won't be forever. This won't just be the Evan, the third host podcast. Uh, But in any event, excuse me, in any event, uh, the goal here is is going to make this uh, the March movie month triple M. Uh, so I'm going to do some shorter episodes here and where I will do some pretty in-depth but yet concise movie reviews of movies that I've been able to watch in the last couple of weeks. Uh, typically I'm not able to watch a lot, excuse me, a lot of movies, but I've been fortunate enough to be able to watch some pretty good ones lately. And I'm going to give you guys reviews of those movies in in the coming weeks. Uh, Inside Baseball, I'm going to try to record a bunch of these right now so I have them in the can and able to release them at a moment's notice. But without further ado, uh, Triple M Month, March Movie Matt Month, or whatever it's going to be called. It's going to start right now. <sighs> Excuse me. Sometimes I record with people. Objective voice in the manner in which it, it can be heard clearly uh, to those in the audience. So that does require a different breath control than your normal speaking that you would do to your friends, family members, uh, people at your job, things like that. So because of that, it, uh, because of the extra effort that it does take, that's why sometimes I do have to uh, kind of take a moment and uh, take a deep breath and things like that. I'm not tired. I'm not anything like that. But in order to project and speak uh, efficiently, sometimes I've got to do that. Anyway, uh, so the first movie in the Triple M month is going to be, uh, I- I'm honestly not sure which one I want to do first. This is all up the top of the head. <sighs> Excuse me. Okay. Nightmare Alley, the uh, Bradley Cooper vehicle directed by Guillermo del Toro. 
So uh, this movie is kind of a departure for Guillermo del Toro. When I saw the, uh, well, Guillermo is known for movies such as, well, basically uh, gothic sci-fi movies. I mean, gothic fantasy movies. So movies that are uh, fantasy-based, but very adult and very dark, and they and kind of scary. It's not like things that, like, he, he's the type that will do a fairy tale, but in the original uh, Brothers Grimm version of it, it's just very scary, meant to scare children into obedience and, instead of entertaining them or giving lessons. That's what I expected from this movie. Not knowing much about it besides the fact that it was very acclaimed. But, so, uh, on the strength of Guillermo del Toro and Bradley Cooper be having another star vehicle alone, I, I entered the, uh, I didn't enter, but I decided to watch this movie. And first, I will say that it is a really good movie. Um, it's a tad long for my liking. I don't really particularly like longer movies in my current life because I feel like it takes up too much time in my day. It could be spent doing other things, uh, whether it be working out, whether it be reading some something else that I could be doing. I prefer movies be a little bit on the shorter side. So first and foremost, not not a huge kind, but it, it's a little long. But it doesn't really drag that much. To, well, it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, not now that I'm thinking about it, as I'm talking to you guys about it, uh, I, I put it this way. Um, the movie is two films in one. It could have essentially had, if they would have had a longer runtime on this, both of the halves of the movie, then it could have potentially been two movies. Um, and you could tell where a Guillermo del Toro's passion is. He likes the weird, obscure, uh, fantasy carnival aspect of it. So, long story short, um, so, while, now that I've said that, I'm gonna back up a little bit. You got, you all know how these, how these reviews go. There isn't a real set tone for them. I, I go all over the place on it. Uh, but essentially, uh, this is the, I wanna say the second or third, iter- this is the second movie iteration of the novel of the same name, um, written in, I wanna say the 1930s or the 40s. It is a prototypical noir story. So if you know what noir is, you know what it is. It's like the detective story or the crime stories that are based on to where the main character is a um to where the, the immoral person is the protagonist. They have a certain style about it in terms of how it's shot, how it looks, and this movie definitely describes that. Essentially, it is a story of a con man who does whatever it takes for him to get ahead. And as Bradley Cooper says, when he described the role, the character of, I think it's Stanley Carlyle, he doesn't see anything higher than himself, and he'll do whatever it takes to get what he wants. Um, So the movie starts out with him, uh, Bradley Cooper's character, burying somebody. And then you can just tell that he's on the run, Probably because of what happened with this body that we never really get the full story of. Nothing concrete. We get some ideas, so. So. So the story goes from there. Bradley Cooper goes to 
basically, because the movie it takes place in like the forties, like thirties or forties, to where it was easy for a person to just disappear, and it was easy for a person to change their identity because you didn't have the internet, you didn't have, you could basically easily uh, forge a, a social security card, things like that. So he does something very bad, and he decides to change his life around and basically recreate himself at a carnival this in town or circus carnival, carnival. Carney life. So, um, he basically finds this carnival, and because it's 1930s or 40s, he's like, okay, bro, uh, we'll have it be a stay in his hand. So he, he, he joins this carnival life. So I'm giving you the briefest summer, summary of the movie without trying to ruin it too much. So essentially, he does this comment. He's not really. It's hard to describe him as a kind man in this part of the movie, but essentially, he joins the carnival. He um, learns some skill. At first, he starts off in a very lowly position of being uh, the assistant to the person who has the, 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 I think we call him like the freak? The creep. The creep. The creep is essentially a, a, a man or a woman, particularly a man, who uh, is like a man animal and like he does things that animals would typically do, like bites, bites the head off chickens and things like that. So it's an, an attraction. Um... So, Stanley Carlisle, he goes from uh, show to show in this carnival, finding his best spot and seeing where he can pick up skills. Which is not the worst thing in the world. That's what people do. Especially in those days, he's like a, a bootstrapper. He picks himself up by his bootstrap and like Republicans would love him because he was in a, a bad spot. And although he, he didn't have anything holding him back uh, to get where he needed to be, like some different groups may have. But he was able to by the skin of his bootstraps, pick himself up and be, and find out what and find a niche and what he was good at. So he joins this carnival when he's on the run, and he learns different skills along the way so he can get his own act. He uh, links up with this mentalist and couple uh, to where they use basically persuasion and different plants in order to fakely read people's minds because um, it's. Obviously, uh, these things don't really exist. So, at the same time, he develops an attraction for uh, a particular woman who has like her 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 little stick. Well, she was an electromagnetic woman or something like that. Like she could be shocked with uh, their with uh, electrodes and not die. So he does develop feelings for this woman, although he does fuck this other woman in the carnival because you know, man, got to be a man, ladies. Um, so long story short, now, uh, Guillermo del Toro fully embraces and, um, develops this world of carnival life. And it's probably the biggest, uh, most explorative, and it breaks down that wall of how carnivals work. And I did appreciate that. I did feel that also this is where Guillermo got a little self-indulgent. Um, cause that, you can tell that that's the part of the story that he really identified with being his, uh, his, his motifs and things like that. Um, so we get this fully realized world and that next part of the movie is probably an hour and a half. I felt like, um, long story short, uh, he has a Stanley Carlisle has a talk with, um, well, this kind of, yeah, I, I will say that because I don't want to ruin the movie, but 
is shit to it. Uh, he, Stanley Carlisle, his main mentor at the carnival, the guy who got him inside of the carnival, he makes moonshine. And he also makes some other products that aren't meant for human consumption. Why he makes them, not sure. Uh, so that ties into the fact that um, Stanley is getting to know his own people and, and trying to develop an act. So what happens is, it's a little, it's kind of convoluted, honestly, and it's hard for me to articulate it properly since I don't have notes and I refuse to have notes. But Stanley is befriended by a, a mentalist couple, and the husband in the couple is a raving alcoholic. And he begs Stanley to get him some moonshine from the other guy. And the other guy is fine with people getting his moonshine as long as they pay him. Because like he has like just like sitting out somewhere. So any of the fellow carnage can just pick out uh some moonshine and then put money like in a drawer. It's like on some uh honor system type shit. So Stanley is in a rush for whatever reason. And he picks out the wrong liquor. Okay? And he picks out the stuff that isn't fit for human consumption and gives it to the alcoholic mentalist, maybe by mistake, maybe on purpose. I did say earlier that he is an opportunist and he will do whatever it takes to get where he, where he wants to be. I should also stop here and say, say this fact. Um, I should say this. So, the mentalist couple has a booklet that they've developed that has all of their trade secrets in. And the mentalist sleeps with this book on his, on his person every night to make sure that it is secure. He has been taking Stanley on as his kind of, of his protege. He has been teaching him some things from this book. But, so that ties into the fact that after this, this drunkard drinks this uh, alcohol not for human consumption, Guess what happens? He dies, and uh, Stanley Carlisle ends up with his book and allows him to become a mentalist. Then that's the end of the first movie in the movie. So, like, this movie doesn't have like a, a traditional beginning, middle, and end. It has two movies that have their own arcs. So, that's the end of the first part of the movie in the first arc. Then we fast forward like five years. Uh, Stanley Carlisle is with his. The woman from the circus that he had a crush on, they fall in love and they leave the circus and start their own act that is a very successful act. Stanley Carlisle was able to pick himself up from his bootstraps and become a very popular act using the booklet and the techniques that he maybe ascertained and with dubious means um, from the drunkard mitzlist. So basically... Stanley and this girl take over the role that the mentalist couple had in the first part of the movie, and they're doing great. And then there is a gentleman in the, and like, they're doing these big shows and everything, uh, making a lot more money than they did in, in the carnival. So they're like a high-end act. So they have a show, and in, in, in this show, there is a person who's trying to talk to their lost loved one. And what the means that they have and their powers of the deduction, um, Stanley is able to make contact, quote unquote, with this person's lost loved one. And this person is a very rich man. 
So he knows, I'm sorry, so what happens is he, this rich person gets his friend who is a psychiatrist, a, a femme fatale, if you will, to basically try to out Stanley and his wife of being fakes. But Stanley, by the skin of his teeth, is able to uh, invert, I mean, uh, is able to convince her that he is, in fact, the real deal. So, long story short, Stanley gets in bed with this person who's who's trying to uh, make contact with his lost loved one who is a very rich man and wants to believe in the magic. Stanley gets in cahoots with the with a therapist woman and falls in love with her because she's a femme fatale, which is definitely a trope of the noir genre. Um, so the femme fatale and, and then his Stanley Carlisle's girlfriend, wife, lady, she doesn't want to be involved with this um, person that Stanley is because this guy has, he also obtained his riches through dubious means. He has a terrible, a terrible, a terrible, excuse me, reputation. So a lot of things happen in the movie and that's when it really becomes a noir movie and it has some twists and turns. The last um, scene of the movie is heartbreaking, actually, because uh, he, he, he it, but he comes full circle, but he's actually worse off. You can tell in the first scene of the movie when he's burying his body that he's very downtrodden and down on his luck. And then when the movie ends, he's down on his luck again. And uh, how how the movie gets there is honestly amazing. If they would have trimmed off maybe 20-ish minutes of this movie, I would rate it higher. But I'm glad that uh, Guillermo is getting these looks in Hollywood. I'm glad that Bradley Cooper is proving he can still be a leading man. Um, it was a really good movie. Um, I did read that the book and or first adaptation of it in the 1950s, I believe, had a much more satisfying um, symmetry in this ending than the movie did, but I like I like where the movie ended as well. But the um, other adaptation, or it could have been in in the OG novel, it took the story further than where we end in the current movie, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I respect his artistic choice, but it definitely um, ends in a fucked up spot, honestly. Um, yeah, so it's definitely a movie. It's a beautiful spectacle of a film. It's well written. Like I said, it's a little overstuffed and self-indulgent, especially in the first movie of the two movies in one movie. But um, it didn't end how I thought it was going to end. I also thought that the movie would have some type of actual supernatural dark fantasy tint to it. That's what I said in the beginning. That's what Guillermo del Toro is known for, but it didn't have that at all. It, it subverted my expectations in a good way. It did have an element of that in the film with the subject matter and, and working with a mentalist who's a kind man making people believe that he really has his power, so it had that element in there somewhat, but it wasn't anything real. Um, Of the movies of Guillermo del Toro, I will probably say it's probably his best movie overall. Crimson Peak was a little weak, honestly. Um, Hellboy wasn't too... Well, Blade 2, I guess, is his best movie, but that's uh, that's just my opinion on it. But anyway, I I don't want these episodes to be too long, so I have to get right to it. I would give uh, 
Nightmare Alley. Eight and a half drunk actors. It's a pretty high score. Um, and, and that's because I came in with no expectations of it. Besides seeing a visually stunning, spectacular, and it definitely satisfied that. Also because it gave us this inside of the carny world that I haven't personally seen before. And it's overall a good movie like the tense. It's not perfect, like I said, there's over stuff. Uh the Finfell Tales, her whole storyline is a little bit it just came together too quickly, I feel like. I also like the fact that uh Guillermo has his 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 players that he always uses and I like that. The um the villain guy, the guy who's being duped by uh Sandy Carlisle in the second part of the film. He's been in a, a few of the more recent Again, uh, Del Toro uh, films. Um, of course, his boy, my boy, Ron Perlman, popped up in the film. But anyway, yeah, uh, let me get out of here. Uh, 8 out of 10, Drunk Iron Man. I suggest that you go see it if you have the chance. I'm Evan Third Host. This is MMM Month, March Movie Month. So, MMM Month doesn't really make sense. But yeah, you, you get what I'm saying. But uh, yeah, we'll see you probably next week on True Stories based on. Thank you.